0: Today, I'm going to be telling you about one of my favorite beginner books, which is entitled Advanced Magic for Beginners by Alan Chapman. In my last episode, I told you about the book Prometheus Rising, which was also recommended me by my friend who recommended me this book. And as a magician, she is just such a great friend, mentor, like everything. and is just so amazing. And like going back and looking at all of my old notes and trying to find my perceived importance of this book when I was like a beginner and like a little kid basically was just so insane and like kind of hard because I had to like decode all of my dyslexic ass chicken chicken scratch you know <laughs> and you know, bearing in mind I was quite young at the time, and I didn't really have the mind to comprehend what he was actually saying. However, the author is, like, the star of the sassy man apocalypse, so what he's saying isn't really profound, but he is saying it in a little bit of a snarky way. But still. I think the author does give kind of a shallow view of magic, A little bit like not shallow per se but he doesn't like it's kind of it's difficult to explain like while it is called advanced magic for beginners i would say a lot of it is relatively like intermediate (laughs) so i guess it is kind of like more or less talking about fundamentals it's talking about like different habits to get into before you um acquire this, uh, practice as a lifestyle, essentially. Another thing that, like, was kind of striking to me right off the bat was kind of, like, the author's shallow view of, like, occult or magic history. Chapman saw the beginning of Magic in Greece around, uh, the Plato's era and kind of thinks about more of the Plato and Hellenistic era was kind of like the beginning of magic at the time. But from what we know now, we know that um, from the beginning of human consciousness, magic was very much a thing and was very much something that people practiced, right? Man is naturally a very religious animal, as someone said, that's not, those are not my own words, but... um, we know, we do know magic has been around forever, and while this may be the best documented um, case of a magical practice at the time, it's claiming it starts around that era is, seems a little shallow. It also like only brings up Plato, John Dee, and a few few others, not including H.C. Agrippa or uh, Ficino or any other very notable mystics at the time, which I think is a crazy disservice, especially considering, like, the history of magic and occultism cannot be summed up in a paragraph, like, it cannot be, it was, It may have been better left out of the book, and if people don't have, like, an in-depth understanding of um, occult history, that's totally fine, you don't really need it to have a practice, right, like, I don't think it's that significant personally, but when it's like, but if it's gonna be used, it should be used more or less correctly in my opinion. I also think like his attitude problem's a little funny, but I also feel like it's kind of the picture definition of, a, of like a man who gets like a sliver of the div- divine truth and then is like out here like thinking he's like, a super chat or whatever the fuck, like. <laughs> so now getting into the notes. Um one of the things that the author touches on is magic is now an opportunity for more people than ever before, which comes with many pros and cons. Um the author also is not the biggest fan of postmodernist Loki and he believes that postmodernism did a number on the occult world causing a plethora of issues which include but aren't limited to lack of experience and lack of experiments meaning like the idea of occultism and magic as a whole is relatively shallow but people will also walk around with this shallow knowledge and like spew a lot of misinformation and stuff like that, which it it seems to frustrate the author quite a bit. People people don't really step outside of safe spaces and want to explore to learn, which is also the author um, cues as an issue. He also talks about how postmodern magic practitioners stick with lower magics and they don't really delve into like higher magics usually and they have a higher focus on materialistic things. And I think that can be a really interesting conversation, especially in regards to consumerism within a cult or magic spaces, which is definitely like, you know, capitalized on since um, material based and lower magics is such a high, um, is so high in numbers at this point in time and i think kind of like a personal gripe for me and this is like not in the book with more people having an interest in art philosophy and magic we do get more innovations and more inspiration in magic and occult based communities as well if people want to fling shit around and use zero magic theory like it's annoying but like ultimately does it affect you and sometimes like sometimes the shit sticks. Like, sometimes, like, you get, like, a really good idea from the fucking gutter. Like, I think it's both a good thing that it's become more expanded upon, but I also think it does come with a few drawbacks. A quote from the author in this book, which is a little bit of a snark. The question starts out as, um, what is magic? The answer is, there isn't a man, woman, child on this planet planet that does not know what magic is. Don't ask silly questions. Question, does magic work? Answer, no. Still reading, <laughs> which is a little snarky, but I think his the main point he's trying to drive home is like, the only way you can find magic is by doing the magic. Um, conversation around magic and speculation if it works i think is pretty important especially in the scientific um theory and practice of it however like the only way you'll deeper deepen your own personal understanding it isn't by asking other people questions it's by doing it yourself essentially and the whole thesis statement of this book is just do magic which I think is such a good message because I feel like there's so many people scared to step out of their comfort zone, but like just fuck around and find out sometimes, you know? And one aspect from this book that I really love and it took that I took very personally was the act of dreaming as a magical act or a magical act or dreaming within manifestation, right? and the importance of recording dreams having a better understanding of the plane which dreams exist upon it's integral in in regards to conjuring or manifesting essentially because when you think about i don't know i kind of wrote down like this like scenario but essentially you know did you do you guys remember like book of spells.org which was like these cringe-ass spells and it was like this website from the early 2000s or whatever and it was like how to become a mermaid or how to become a fairy or whatever like maybe you won't be a mermaid or you won't be a fairy in like this material plane but that doesn't mean you can't manifest being a mermaid within your dreams like that doesn't mean that it's not that doesn't like exclude a reality of it, you know what I mean? So I think that's a very interesting way to think of it, manifestation and how it can correlate to both the material plane and how it can relate to um, an astral or dream plane as well. And I think it's just important, I I like the, I like how the author emphasizes the act of recording dreams and learning more about um, dream as an act of magic itself. The other thing I uh, took away from this book is how the author thinks of the dream world more as like an artistic medium to communicate and paint different ways, different ways of manifestation, such as people can speak to entities in a dream plane. You can like manifest things in a dream plane. Um, the more you manifest the more you learn about the nature of reality and how to work it the physical world is only one type of experience the dream world or dreaming in general can be an entirely different experience magic is one way of experiencing the truth and it can be seen in both of these planes and you can and you can always find truth on many different planes of existence I also like how he fronted um moral morals and questions to magic, which I think is a little bit of a hot topic, especially because everyone disagrees with it, you know. Um for people to consider um these questions, I think it is a little bit of at least to think about it, you know? Um one one question that I pose personally is um, what if something, you, like let's say you do a working and something manifests in an immoral way. So let's say you do a money spell, but you just manifest a raise and the person who was previously in that position gets fired. Did you do an immoral thing? Like, obviously like you didn't mean for this individual to get fired, but your spell did work and someone did Pay the price for it. Like, is that an immoral act? Um, when you cast the hand, when you cast a hand to uh, sway the motion of the universe, you need to be ready for it to manifest in a in a very real and a very reasonable way. So sometimes it has, um, sometimes it has like a quote unquote good effect, and sometimes it can have quote unquote bad effects. But it's kind of just the way it works, it'll always manifest in a very um, real way. And a question that the author poses is, do I help people with magic? If so, who and at what point does the help reach its limitations? Do I tell everyone in the world and the right and wrong way to do magic and basically become what the evangelicals became to Christianity? Or do you stay within secrecy? Do you find a community of like-minded people to share ideas and rituals which sometimes is more fun than it sounds if you're super introverted but um do you spend time with people who make fun who, who like don't believe in it do you still talk to them does it become like your whole personality like what's the what's the vibe Another question is, essentially, should you just say fuck it and become a curse slinger, which I think is a canon event if you grew up doing it low-key? Um, another question this author poses is, do I dress in all black and demand demand to be called the draconian high priestess, or do you have some taste? Which, okay. Or will you stay in magic and have it eventually evolve into a lifestyle, or will it leave your life forever? which obviously there's so many more moral questions when it comes to like practice and magic and they differ for everybody. But I do think like considering these questions and not exactly coming to like a conclusion upon them, I think it's, I think it's good because I think when you consider them, but you don't place your own like values on them, or if you don't say, you consider these questions, and you just simply consider them, and you don't say, "Oh, I'm a this on this, or I'm a that on this." It can be very contrary eventually because you will change your mind, you will like grow and evolve, and sometimes like it's good not to put like a label or one singular idea on a question when you can just simply consider it. The author then also goes on to say that a more a majority of magicians that they've met have it gone crazy, but also majority of magicians he's met hasn't made a ton of progress, which if you haven't lost your mind temporarily because of magic, like you're just not in that type of club. I don't know what to say. Um, for genuine magic development, uh, you need to practice magic. You need to like come to your own conclusions about it. And magic does require a lot of hard work. Like it is a practice and it is a science and magic is hard and takes effort to understand but once you get it you still do not get it (laughs) and it's not for everyone but everyone can have a go at it um the author compares it to brain surgery saying it'll get rather messy at times but if you do decide to become a magician magic is about taking responsible responsibility for your entire existence which if we're comparing it to a lot of the other beginner and like theory books uh to become a magician is to become like a master of yourself first. Mastery of yourself or be or self-actualizing or learning and growing into um yourself is so so important to become a magician. It'll just be like the more and more like beginner books I talk about it's just gonna like reiterate reiterate the same thing over and over and over again. And then the author brings up the importance of keeping a um, magic journal because, like, it's probably, like, the most important tool you can have. And then um, the author says, having a magic journal will make you a better magician based on the fact that it takes talent to keep records, which, honestly, like, keeping good records and, like, having, like... mastery of how to explain things or how to like write things in a way that can be like productive i believe is actually a talent even if the author was trying to be snarky at that point in time um recording most if not every magical event will show progress or help you make progress as a magician it is only with experience and understanding of that experience will help you grow as a magician. So writing it down is extremely important. I think it's also important to do, to um, keep in mind that some magic practices do require you to forget about what you're doing. So in some cases only write down um, what is necessary. The author then goes into like different um, methods one he calls the sympathetic method where you use literal actions to get an outcome whether it's symbolic or like a literal like he came he saw he conquered you know what i mean he saw he came he conquered whatever um there's also the gnosis method which involves you getting to some type of translate like state this can also involve some sort of ritual and then there's the amnesia method, which um, is generally a higher magic working, and you're you typically have to forget about it, so it can be, um, so it can manifest in the subconscious and be you know passed along. While talking about journals, the author notes how notes about how um, scientific aesthetic and the scientific method is not the same thing and scientific method is very crucial in development and understanding of your own magic practice. However, I wouldn't shit on aesthetic too much because I believe aesthetic and symbolism plays a big part in understanding the world around us and understanding ourselves and understanding the divine. Magic and, and ceremonial magic is essentially the use of symbols and actions to stimulate a part of our minds or the divine to achieve a result many different magicians, artists, and artists use aesthetics to curate and manifest the world around them. So I do not believe that there is such thing as a frivolous aesthetic. I think it can be both very useful at times. So like, but I do think it is important to say that the scientific method in terms of um, magic and manifestation is very important. I do think there is also like, not a lot of space to shit on aesthetic when it can play a pretty vital role in um, practice and manifestation. The author also points out the importance of working with different belief systems, which I heavily agree with because chaos magic is what's up. Um, The difference between adopting it and using a belief system is very different and like, one basically needs an intellectual understanding of the topic, but your viewpoint kind of doesn't change. And then the other one is where your uh, mindset and belief does change, and it's um, it's called um. He uses it as belief shifting, but I think a lot of us uh, generally use the term paradigm shifting the author identifies what paradigm shifting is and how it's at times a very abstract concept. Because when you're adopting someone else's belief system or someone else's view or you're quote-unquote standing in someone else's shoes to achieve a result, it can be a little bit more abstract because it's like, is this actually the person's idea and their identity or is it my perception of this person's idea and identity? And if it's my perception of it, where are the shortcomings and how does this like not always slip into the mold of it, right? If you want to change your viewpoint you actually need to experience the different viewpoint or model so basically like if you're just like shifting to shift you need to shift for an action right so like when you're actually needing to do a working that causes you to shift your viewpoint i think that's more effective (laughs) you know i think i think it's really important to um couple shifting with a very direct action which correlates to the importance of the shift. The author also shares um, the aesthetic or symbolic importance of a different viewpoint and like me personally when I'm trying to shift looking at symbols or art from people who do represent a very different paradigm than my own, I think it does help a lot. For it to become a mindset rather than a belief, it needs to be an actual event. Like we said before, like it does need to be coupled with an action generally. Um, to work new magic, you have to change your old habitual habits to fit the new belief, which again goes into the acting part of it. And you always need to be sure that there's a means for event for an event to manifest. You know, another quote from the author states, magic also attracts yahoos like flies to shit. <laughs> there are too many damn magicians out there who think themselves too damn funny. Magic doesn't always have to be serious work, which is kind of funny considering how um, the author was trying to drive home the point drive home the point about um The Scientific Method and very in-depth journal keeping, which is true, but honestly, if you want to make a whole system based around Webkin's, like, who's going to stop you? Like, it doesn't have to be serious work, but it is most definitely hard work. The author also talks about the importance of a magical oath, which I do think the author does use some strange terminology. So, like, oath I feel like can be switched out with like intention petition swear commit and I think it just kind of depends on your personal language I think there's a lot of magicians who do curate their own language over time like I know a lot of people who refer to the divine as the all because it's all encompassing other people just say god or whatever but you know not only can you swear, or commit to a group of people, but you can also swear and make an oath to creating a new habit or to do an action or to manifest something, essentially. It should be said that intention that intentions and the complexity of the ritual will, ge- will generally like dictate its results. I think a lot of people believe that the more complex a ritual is, the more um, likely it is to work. But like what makes a ritual complex is very subjective, right? <laughs> so like let's say something looks relatively simple, but like let's say like let's say it looks relatively simple but the day in which the magician planned it took days in advance to prepare for this day or it took a lot of research to prepare for this one minute, for this one second to cast it out. I don't really think that that's, like, not complex, even if the action is relatively simple. I think what makes something complex, like, it, it's, like, there's so many different things that can make a working complex. So it's very, like, you don't have to buy a $2 million, like, high priestess, white robe, dance around naked in the moonlight. Like, what adds complexity to a ritual can vary greatly. (laughs) So I think that should be very, very clear. I also think um, acting in the ritual should have a clear intention. Most things you will learn have a correspondence. However, the ritual should lead to a clear conclusion with a clear way that you want your result to manifest or like a clear result that you wish to manifest. What you can achieve through magic is only limited to your imagination, as well as how it can actually come to fruition within uh, this plane of existence. However, that does not limit to other planes of existence. Um, Most people associate the five senses and awakeness to the only possibility of having an experience, but that's far from the case. Awakeness and the five senses can definitely be, um, there when experience, when having a magical experience, but you can have a magical experience in your dreams, you can have a magical experience while meditating, and while sleeping in a trance-like state, trance-like state, that's not really, like, that's not really awakeness, like, how can you, how can you, like, describe your own personal experience to someone else so when people are always demanding truth or always demanding like facts um yeah it's just because they assume awakeness and senses to truth when there's several different um realities to what truth can be the author does speak a little bit about um I guess, the mentality of it or like the shadow working of it. I think most, he says, most normal people rationalize their feelings and emotions and and, a, and mental state while magicians can fully embrace it and use it as a means for more magic experiences, right? So when people always rationalize the world around them or they believe magic, experiences have to be some grandeur event when a magic experience can be a dream a vision a meditation a working all these things that can occur in your mind when you're better when you're better able to embrace your emotions or you're better able to embrace all these small aspects you're better receptive and better able to understand magic experiences as they unfold in the world around you The author does go to talk about the astral plane, um, different planes of existence, and dreaming is something very um, important to this author and his works. So when he describes the astral plane, love, take a note, take a take a note or keep in mind that um, a lot of authors and a lot of magicians describe this plane very differently, and I think. Different people have different perceptions on what this could be or how they describe it. So just keep that in mind. The astral realm, the author describes, is a world we can as- access through projecting and dreaming. This plane has its own set of rules and laws. And this world is very ether-like and can be influenced by intentions. Um, he describes it as etheric and be... be- between etheric and the mundane. And the astral is more about energies and an example example of this energy is chi, which he thinks is very fundamental to um this plane. And he also um chi and different energies is very um fundamental to this plane, right? So this author then goes in to discuss breathwork and meditation, which is always very fundamental when learning about magic, like breathing, meditation, and like understanding the energy of the world around you is always very um, important in the fundamentals of magic. And it's also very important when you're dreaming or projecting. So to this author, like it is a pretty big, Uh, point in the book so i would definitely recommend reading it for yourself to improve as a magician you do need to practice magic and you also need to practice breath work and meditation and there are different small types of meditation and rituals that can aid you in this as well which i would definitely recommend researching the author also um calls gnosis absorption which maybe maybe he um, has a different classification for it but essentially it's a little bit of a trance it's basically metaphysical experiences that can take place on any plane and like the state of absorption is like the state of insight where it's more or less a magical concentration it can happen with dancing having sex breathing but absorption is basically a trance-like state, state, and I think it's very, very similar to gnosis, if not gnosis itself, which, again, a lot of magicians do have their own vocabulary and a lot of their own like words they use to describe the world around them, so I won't nitpick it too hard he calls it absorption because it's when the magician gets absorbed into the state of the ritual. And you can find like, it's when you find the importance of the chosen goal or you find like, it's where you find the awareness within the sensations of the working itself. So I think it's maybe it's not gnosis per se, but it is kind of like, um, the zenith of the trance-like state. The author also notes that enlightenment is a process, not a one-time event. No matter how hard you try, you probably didn't hit ego death when you were 10 and you can't buy or cheat it. So a lot of people who claim that they have the ultimate key to enlightenment, you know, maybe, but it's very unlikely. And one ultimate key is not a one size fits all thing. Like people find enlightenment in different different ways. Um, the peak magical experience is when you understand the true nature of reality. Um, learning truth is a process, and once you learn the quote unquote truth, there are still more truths to learn after that. So. It really is just such a process, like people claiming enlightenment, people claiming they've been through ego death, are probably the people who've never experienced it before. But I think it is kind of like a hot term that gets thrown around quite a lot. Reality is just an experience that we're experiencing constantly and all the time, and we're learning how to evolve, tamper, manipulate, grow within it. Like, it's all just a process of being. And you can have magical experiences at every level, and it's different for everyone. And some people may never reach enlightenment, and that's fine. And, like, some people will, like, put in the work, quote-unquote it's like people who go to church and pray every single day and never ever ever hit that magical experience because they're doing an ineffective ritual that doesn't work for them and people are just saying words instead of meaning the words and they're just hoping that something will sway the hand of god and it will eventually turn out well for them but that's very rarely how it works because it's just empty words with no action also better and then the author then goes to talk about um talking to entities and when the author refers to to speaking or communicating with entities he refers to it as god bothering which i use every day in my like vocabulary i just think it's so fucking funny and um yeah the talk of it is kind of scattered a little sporadically throughout these notes which is my fault but basically faith is going back to what we were saying about um ineffective rituals and how people can go to church every single day and get no result when faith is at the heart of every experience you ever you ever do and every action you do it's inherently magical he also um, kind of misquotes Crowley and says, desire is a magical act that leads nowhere, which kind of goes into the quote, do not lust after results, right? Desire is a prison, which is do not lust after results. And most, But also like, I think that idea can be more nuanced depending on the paradigm or depending on the practice or what you believe the ritual needs, but whatever. He also goes to talk about traditional magic, which um, which is magic you learn through traditions or orally. So, like, maybe some things that are passed down to you, or like some traditions that are passed down to you, you don't think are inherently magical, but a lot of cultural practices are inherently magical, right? Like the art of pickling. Like, you, <laughs> you may not think that's like an inherently magical practice, but people did that to survive, like when it's based when it's based and rooted upon rooted in um survival, it is inherently magical and people do um hold those practices with very, very, very um close faith. Postmodernism is, um, is basically any shit you can find online <laughs> or in bookshops and it doesn't really require too much initiation which a lot of traditional practices do require um, initiation. Anything you learn about magic can be influenced by books or others, but you can only really learn through personal experiences with both traditionalism and postmodernism. And both traditionalism and postmodernism offers different appearances in finding the truth. While traditionalism swears by its teachings, post postmodernism is more of like, it's all relative type of thing you know to get magic to get better at magic you need to like practice and you need to like exercise it like a muscle right you know like how people say your brain's a muscle you need to exercise it daily i guess the same can be said for magic it's also like important when you're considering like writing down in your magical journal when you're doing a writer ritual considering what really happened or like actually considering it like logically at the end um usually when a thought enters your mind about what happened it's the only thing that holds relevance but i think it's important to think about other things that could stem from it you know what i mean like when you do a working really think in depth about how it actually came to fruition rather than the first idea that popped into your mind being a magician means you take responsibility for the manifestations you do, even if it seems like coincidence or a synchronization of the universe, manifestation will always have very mundane effects, which will lead to a final result. I think it's, um, and going back to what we said about morals or whatever, like if it does manifest in a quote unquote immoral way, you do need to claim responsibility for that whether it's moral immoral it's all subjective anyways you know <laughs> sometimes things didn't go as planned but you do need to address that type of cause and effect with practice and understanding of higher magics and how to actually manifest things without doing like a big grandeur action it's it's kind of it's a little tricky like i think people um who have done low magic for a while and trying to transition into learning something else may have a little bit of a struggle with it, but I think it's so important for understanding divinity as a whole. It's also important when you're learning to keep your ego in check, (laughs) which um, is kind of funny coming from this author. Because the whole time, like, you have to read this book. Like, he is literally the definition of the sassy man apocalypse. And magic is an art, which is a science, which is a culture of experiencing truth. And everybody in the world has the ability to fashion reality as they see fit, which you can see in a lot of different ways. You don't even have to look at it in a magical way. Like, you know that girl who's always making shit up or is always the victim? Like, that is, like... Or it can be a guy too. Anyone who like, um, is always a victim or always making shit up—that is an example of like warping the reality around you. The biggest thing this book does is cite the importance of higher magic and the use of the scientific method and journaling within magic, which I agree. Like as, as you're starting out or as you're trying to. Deepen your magical understanding, it is extremely important to do. The thing I love about this book the most is the emphasis on just doing magic. The only way to get better and to get outside your comfort zone is to do magic and go beyond your comfort zone. This definitely isn't the book that will praise an armchair occultist, but you know, I feel a lot of I feel like a lot of times nowadays there's a lot of jargon about the right or wrong way to do something, whether something's moral or immoral, whether which belief system is right or wrong, you know? The only way you can figure those things out is by doing it yourself. When I first started practicing, when I was like a tot, I don't know, Who had like unrestricted internet access, you know, like whatever. (laughs) I literally just said fuck it and just started doing random shit. I summoned a demon and like, was that safe? Probably not. Was it practical? Absolutely not. But like, when you fuck around and find out, you have to find out and figure out how to get yourself out of the mess. And I feel like a lot of people are like scared to fuck around and find out because it is kind of like a scary thing to do but i feel like to deepen your magical experience like again like that's an extreme example but like just to take like a few steps out of your comfort zone every single day can be so beneficial to magical practice and magical understanding and for journaling like if you have no idea where to start i will literally i will put little copy and paste like prompts in the caption if you want to um work on that or if you just want to like have them and keep them in your google drive like I think keeping a google drive especially if you're more of a secrecy type of person or if you practice in secret I think that's a very that's like such a smart way of doing it like all my stuff is online as well but that's the conclusion for Advanced Magic for Beginners by Alan Chapman, and I totally recommend you giving it a read. It is such a good book. While it is, again, just a little sassy, and like most occult books, like I said, it can go all over the place, like how I randomly dropped God-bothering and talking to entities and just in the middle, but it did kind of circle back to like... um how you can use your dreams or different planes to talk to entities, which may not always manifest in the physical, which I think is important, but it wasn't grouped together like in that time. It was kind of more or less spread out, which can be a little frustrating, but when you understand most books or most books on magic are not very structurally sound, um, it it gets easier and easier to deal with. But anyways, I hope you read this book, and I hope you tell me how much you like it, or if you don't like it, and I'll see you later.